Turn your Bibles, please, to the book of Galatians chapter 5. Galatians chapter 5. We're going to begin reading in verse 7. Galatians chapter 5 and verse 7. And the scripture says, Ye did run well. Who did hinder you that ye should not obey the truth? This persuasion cometh not of him that calleth you. A little leaven leaveneth the whole lump. I have confidence in you through the Lord that ye will be none otherwise minded. But he that troubleth you shall bear his judgment whosoever he be. I want to preach a message I've entitled, What Happened? What happened? Let's pray. Father, we come to you in the name of the Lord Jesus, and I beg you this morning for the filling of the Holy Spirit of God. Deal with our hearts, Lord. We heard the word of God this week. A number of decisions were made. But Lord God, I believe there's a number more that need to be made. May we not think we've arrived. We've accomplished all that you want done. Do a work in our hearts today, I pray. And we'll thank you and praise you for it all. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Now, being brought up in Michigan, about 120 miles from Detroit, if a team was a Detroit team in sports, that's who I normally rooted for. My favorite team in baseball were the Detroit Tigers. My favorite team in football uh, were the Detroit Lions. Now, I never cared about hockey, even though the Red Wings were a pretty good team back when I was a kid. Uh, But I never cared for hockey. I couldn't stand on skates. So uh, I, I gave that up a long time ago. But, but I, I loved the sports back then, but I was a kid, you know. Now today, I can't tell you three players who play for the Detroit Tigers. I don't have a clue. doesn't matter to me. I don't care who wins. And obviously, if you're going to be a Detroit Lion fan, you can't care who wins either. <laughs> but a few years ago, and I, I haven't seen a complete Detroit game in I don't know how many years, but it was uh, probably seven, eight years ago. Uh, it was on national TV. It might have been a, um, a Monday night game. I'm not sure. But they were playing the uh, Green Bay Packers. Now, anybody with any sense hates the Green Bay Packers. And I've always hated the Green Bay Packers because they were one of those teams that always beat my Lions. But that night, the score at halftime was 20 to nothing, Detroit. And I went to bed. I was tired. It wasn't that important to me. But I figured, hey, they're going to win a game. I mean, they've had entire seasons of 16 games where they didn't win a game. They were going to win a game. About 2 o'clock in the morning, I woke up, and I wondered what the final score was. I reached over, grabbed my phone at, to look at the final score. And the final score was Green Bay 27, Detroit 26. And I wondered, what happened? They were doing so well. They had a big lead, 20 to nothing. What happened? Well, same thing that happened in sports. That type of thing happens all the time in sports. Uh, matter of fact, very seldom do our Detroit teams ever have the lead in anything going into halftime. So I guess they couldn't stand the rarefied air. But, you know, I've seen the same basic thing happen with Christians, where Christians are going along, great guns are involved in ministry, they're taking part, they're spreading the gospel of Jesus Christ, you can count on them to be in their Sunday school class, to be teaching their class, working on the bus route, I mean, just ready to serve every time. And then a couple years later, 
you're lucky to even get them out for a Sunday morning service, yet alone Sunday night or Wednesday night. And you wonder, what on earth happened? I can go back to a couple of other churches that I pastored at, and I can think about some of the people that I pastored that were tremendous Christians, loved the Lord, were faithful. You could count on them during soul winning time. They were going to be there. Many of them worked in the bus routes, and they were faithful. They brought in hundreds of kids over the years. And a lot of kids got to know Jesus as Savior. They worked in junior church. Matter of fact, whenever we had anything special, you could count on them. They were going to be there. And you can go back to those same churches today, and those people are still alive, but they don't do anything. And you wonder, what on earth happened? And the question is not, when did the straw fall that broke the camel's back? But what happened I mean, in the beginning, did they just become complacent? Did they just start thinking, well, it doesn't matter if I miss a service here or there, or if I, of course, we didn't have, uh, what do we call it now, live streaming. We didn't have that back then. And I'll just say it again, live streaming's not church. Now, if you're sick and you can't come to church, it's better than not having anything. But it is not the same. And there's nobody that can make it to church who doesn't come to church but live stream, that's a very spiritual Christian. It got quiet there. Don't get quiet on me there. You're going to have a rough time with this entire message. I mean, we've gotten so complacent about the things of God and the church of God. You realize that believers have a responsibility when they go to church not to just sit and listen but to exhort one another daily while it is called today. I mean, you ought to be coming to minister, coming to be an encouragement, a help to other people, looking around for folks to talk to. I mean, after all, if a visitor ever comes and leaves and feel like they were unimportant, that's on us. Because we're responsible to go to them. We're responsible to talk to them. And by the way, everybody here that I know very well at all has problems. They need an encouragement. It's tough out there during the week. Sometimes it's tough even in church. You know, there have been a lot of times, well, not a lot of times, there have been a few times since God saved me that I have not felt like going to church. I wasn't sick, just didn't feel like going. But I went. Because I knew once I'd start missing, it'd be easy to just miss for any little thing whatsoever. And so I went. We go on vacation And I've been, I tell you what, on vacation, I've been in a lot of dead churches. And uh, man, I just hate that. But I know if I ever get unfaithful there, it won't be long. I'll be unfaithful here. And I don't want that to happen. It's required in stewards that a man be found faithful. I can be faithful. I may not be talented. I may not be smart. But I can be faithful. It's a matter of character, which is something that people in the United States of America do not have today. They don't have the character to be faithful when it's not fun. Everything's got to be fun. Got to be fun. If it's not fun, I can't do it. Well, it's time some people grow up and get some character. In the passage that we just read, I'm going to bring this down to where we were at in the scripture here. In the passage we just read, Paul, in the book, had been recounting his first experience with these churches of Galatia. As a matter of fact, 
He was the one that God used to get these churches started. When he went up to Lystra, when he went over to Derby and the other cities that were there, I mean Iconium, he was the one that went in there, won these people to Christ at a great cost to himself. He did all of that. As a matter of fact, he tells us back in chapter 4 about the tremendous blessing that they were to him And they felt like that they just couldn't do enough for him when he was there the first time. If you go back and look at verse 13 in chapter 4, he says, You know how through the infirmity of the flesh I preached the gospel unto you at the first. And my temptation which was in my flesh he despised not nor rejected, but received me as an angel of God, even as Christ Jesus. Where is then the blessedness he spake of? For I bear you record that if it had been possible... Ye would have plucked out your own eyes and have given them to me. Am I therefore become your enemy because I tell you the truth? So then he says in the next chapter, in verse 7, you did run well. Who did hinder you? So this is not a new problem. This is not a a year 2022 problem. This has been a continuous problem with people. People have trouble sticking to that which is right. It's amazing how dedicated people can get to all kinds of other things that are out there, from sports teams to hobbies and everything else. But they have trouble staying faithful to the very thing that Jesus Christ died for, which is the church. Husbands, love your wives, even as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for it. Now, I want to look, first of all, at some evidences of being hindered. I mean, after all, we just had revival. A number of decisions were made. I heard good reports from people giving testimony how much they needed the preaching. And one of the things that the preaching did for people was it helped them to realize that they're not where they once were, that there were some things that need to be restored. There's a place to return to. And they got to that. Well, You can look back now, you can say, wow, boy, I got those things straightened out and it's wonderful. But why on earth did I get away from what I knew was right? What happened to me? What were the hindrances that kept us from being what we ought to be? I believe part of it is losing our first joy. You remember the church at Ephesus, losing our first love. He said to that church, nevertheless, I have somewhat against you. You have left your first love. He doesn't say they have lost their first love. He said they left their first love. In other words, that love that they had for God, that love they had, their service in the church was all about pleasing the Lord Jesus Christ and serving him in what way? They longed for that. They desired that. That was their heart's desire. It was their heart's joy. But they had left that. You leave your first love and where you're living only in duty, then, dear friend, you're going to get awful dry really quick. It's kind of like trying to run your car without any oil in the engine. You can do that for a little while, but after a while, it's going to overheat and it's going to burn up. It needs that oil in the engine. That's what happened to the church at Ephesus where the Bible wasn't as sweet as what it had been. Church service of duty instead of a delight. That's a dangerous place to be. Here's another evidence of that happening. Not so loving and zealous as you were. 
as he said over here in verse 15 of chapter 4, Where is then the blessedness ye spake of? For I bear ye record that if it had been possible, ye would have plucked out your own eyes and have given them to me. Not as loving. Now, I thank God. I've heard a number of testimonies of people visiting Madison Baptist Church about how friendly it is and people reaching out. But you know, and that's great. And praise the Lord for it. But if you ever get to the place where you come, I'm just going to sit down tonight. I'm not going to minister. I'm not going to do anything. I don't want to talk to people and stuff like that. You're going to lose that love and you're going to lose that excitement and you're going to lose that joy once your zealousness is gone. It is always good, the scripture said. Matter of fact, I want you to look at that verse in verse 17. He says, they zealously affect you, but not well. Yea, they would exclude you that you might affect them. Now notice this, but it is good to be zealously affected always in a good thing. Zealously affected. You know what we're afraid of? We're afraid of somebody thinking that we are fanatics. Wouldn't that be a shame if people thought that we were, I'm spitting on myself, uh, fanatics for the Lord Jesus. I guess I'm getting that way right now. Frothing at the mouth, carrying on. <laughs> we don't think anything's wrong with these nuts that go to the ball game. They take off their shirts, paint their, paint their body the color of their favorite team, and they're screaming trying to get the camera's attention so the 20 million people can see them out there. We think that's normal. And we don't have anybody take off their shirt here, by the way. And I'd prefer you not to paint yourself. Man, that's going to be on Facebook soon. I know it. I know it. When you stop leaving the world and self behind, instead of putting aside hindrances, adding more of the world into your life. You know, it's amazing to me. I found when I got sold out to Jesus, it was easy to go to church. When I got sold out to Christ, as a matter of fact, I'll be honest with you, I wouldn't, what to, I wouldn't know what to do midweek service time if I wasn't in church. I just got to be in church. I've been doing this for a long time. That's just the right place to be. It's a good place to be. Being with the brethren, hearing the word of God, singing the songs of Zion. I'll tell you what, that's good. But I, if you've got other things you love more than him, this is a drudgery. I mean, if you don't love him, I understand why you don't want to come other services. Because you don't love him. Because if you love him, you want to be where he's exalted. You want to be where he's worshipped. You want to be where he, he's praised. You say, oh, but those Christians, man, they're not everything they ought to be. Guess what? You're not either. Get off your high horse. As I said in the Sunday school lesson, none of us are everything that we ought to be. We don't claim to be everything that we ought to be. We were sinners, wretched sinners deserving of hell, been saved by the grace of God. Hallelujah. And heaven's my destiny, not because of how good I am, but because of what he did. Died on the cross to pay for my sins, was buried and rose three days later from the dead. The Bible says, therefore, seeing we are compassed about with so great a cloud of witnesses, Let us lay aside every weight and the sin which does so easily beset us. And let us run with patience the race that is set before us. The things of God begin to go when you stop leaving the world and self behind. Part of the call, by the way, 
of being a disciple for the Lord Jesus is you have to deny yourself. Good sign of loving yourself too much is not being willing to deny yourself for the Lord Jesus Christ. Stop abiding all day with your Lord, practicing his presence. How many times did you pray yesterday? Oh, yeah, I listen, I, I, I like that song, Just a Little Talk with Jesus. I like that song, I like to sing the song. I like the message of the song, but part of our problem is we have too many little talks with Jesus, not enough long talks with Jesus. We're just scared to death that we might pray longer than five minutes. I mean, we got shortcuts for the blessing at mealtime. You know, Lord, bless this bunch as we munch on this lunch. Amen. And we think that takes care of it. God forbid that we should pray in a public restaurant and ask God to bless our food. What would people think of us? They might think you love Jesus. I know about you, but when I see people praying in the restaurant, I like to say something to them. Man, I appreciate your testimony. Appreciate you being willing to thank God for your food. We're supposed to thank God for our daily bread. And hallelujah, I, I believe that's a blessing. So I said, would you please bless the food? No, but I'll ask him to bless it. After all, we got it from him. Praise the Lord. When you get to the place that you do the form of things that you used to, but you're not actually, uh, you're not actually doing it from the heart anymore, you've got a problem. By the way, in marriage, it, that can destroy a lot of marriages too. You just take one another for granted. You're there, you're in the same house, and that's pretty much it. But you don't love like you ought to love. You don't do the special things and say the special things to one another. You say, well, preacher, I just don't feel it. You don't feel it because you don't do it. Do it. Tell your wife you love her. Tell your husband you love him. Go ahead and fix her breakfast. Well, that probably wouldn't do it. Anyway, I'll tell you something else that will hinder you, and that's stopping the old faithful uh, doctrines of the Word of God to go after all kinds of new notions. And boy, I'll tell you, in the religious world, they're out there. Whether it be something like what used to be, I don't even know that they're still around today, a thing called promise keepers. So let's all get together uh, we'll get together, we, even though we don't believe the same thing about God, we don't believe the same thing about Jesus, we don't believe the same thing about salvation, let's get together based on the promises. We're going to deny all the doctrine that we believe because we just want to get together with people around Jesus. Hogwash. Man, this book is given, and by the way, based on doctrine. He says all scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness, that the man of God may be perfect, thoroughly furnished unto all good works. We need this book and we need its truth and we're to stand by it. As a result, what happens is some people, they get caught up in this ecumenicalism to get together where you've got a hodgepodge of things and nobody knows what to believe anymore. These are some of the evidences of being hindered. But the question that he asked here, back here in Galatians chapter 5 and verse 7, ye did run well, who did hinder you? If you're not where you were in your Christian walk, who hindered you? Who was it that hindered you? Think about it. Who hindered you? That would lead me to ask the question, did I do it? And if I did it, then pray for your minister. 
people get offended by people. Listen, according to James chapter 3, you can't teach without offending somebody. According to Luke chapter 17, Jesus said that it is not possible, but what offenses will come. I mean, it's not possible to live in this world without offending somebody. It's not possible to live in the world without being offended. It's going to happen. And by the way, a lot of those offenses were never intended to be offenses. I've told you this story before, but several years ago, uh, my home church, First Baptist Church of Otsego, Michigan, it was because of their testimony and, uh, and their pastor, Brother Ted Phillips, that I got saved back in 1971. So it's 51 years ago. And I thank God for them. I do. Now, as you know, it was a quiet church. I'm not quiet. You may have noticed that. Sometimes I get loud. Sometimes I yell and holler and so on. Um, but they called me up on the phone and they said, uh, Brother Mike, we're having, and I want to say it was the 150th anniversary of the church. And so they were going to have a special week of it. And they said, Brother Mike, we are inviting people in that surrendered to the ministry out of our church or, um, uh, or we're ministering and we're in our church. We're inviting them to come preach. And Brother Mike, we'd like you to send your testimony. Now, (laughs) I had a couple different ways I could respond to that. I could be hurt. I could be offended. I I could be a lot of things. Or I could say, well, thank you for the privilege and sit down and write my testimony and send it in. They hadn't forgotten me. And that last thing is what I did. Those sweet people with all that they had meant to me in the past. Why should I be hurt? They didn't intend it for a slight. They didn't intend it for an offense, so why should I take one? I mean, they were trying to do something nice, but we live in a country today that gets offended, outraged about anything. They, somebody will compliment you, and you say, what do they mean by that? Are they saying that I'm not this? Are they saying, grow up, man, grow up, grow up. Man, there's too many people walking around with a chip on their shoulder. You know, a chip on the shoulder indicates wood higher up. So get it off your shoulder. But did I do it? I didn't mean to. Didn't mean to offend you. Now, I know preachers that don't care if they offend you. I don't mean to offend you, but I realize if I preach the book, sometimes I'm going to. I, I remember one pastor saying many years ago, that the average time for an independent Baptist pastor in a church is three years. And he explained it this way. He said, the first year, they love you so much, they want to eat you. He said, in the second year, they wish they'd eaten you the first year. And then the third year, they eat you. Now, let me tell you what he was saying by that. You go into a church. I Listen, first year in a church, you can preach as hard as you want to preach. And guess what? They know that you don't know who you're hitting. And so it doesn't really affect them all that much, and they still love you. But then the second year, by the time you're there the second year, you can preach the same things. doesn't matter. But now they know that you know who you're hitting. And if they don't get right, then it becomes personal. And they dig in. And the third year, they're sitting there 
basically singing the song, I shall not be, I shall not be moved. And the pastor, he starts thinking, I guess I can't do any more here. I need to leave. And there is a lot of truth to that. That's how it happens. Well, let me ask you another question. Did some fellow church members do it to you? After all, he said, here, you did run well. Who did hinder you? Pray for them. Number one. Number two, they probably didn't intend it. Oh, they intended it all right. Then forgive them. Ephesians chapter 4, beginning in verse 30. Grieve not the Holy Spirit of God, whereby you're sealed unto the day of redemption. But let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and evil speaking be put away from you with all malice. And be kind one to another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, even as God, for Christ's sake, hath forgiven you. I've told this story before, but I've told all my stories before. So, but some of you weren't here the first time I told them. The first dog that we got after we got married was a black and white mutt. And the uh, name of the dog was Cricket. Started with a K. Uh, my, all, all the females in the house except my wife, their, their name began with K. Uh, Carrie's name begins with K. Kathy's name begins with K. Our dogs have been Cricket and Critter and Cotton and Callie, and they all start with K. Now, I can't remember which one was which, but I do remember the black and white dog. And I had taught the black and white dog. I was just a cute little puppy, just a mutt. We didn't want to pay much for it. And I taught it to catch Frisbees, and we'd go out in the backyard, and, man, I'd throw the Frisbee. It'd run. It'd jump up in the air. It'd catch it. bring it back to me. And one day, I threw it. The wind caught the Frisbee, took it out into the road. That was on Lyerly Street, 4th and Lyerly in Chattanooga, Tennessee. There was a truck coming down the road, a pickup truck. They had a piano in the back of the truck. Now, they were driving slow because they had the piano. My dog's out in the street trying to pick up that Frisbee, trying to get the tooth hooked underneath it, you know, to pick it up. And they didn't even slow down. They didn't stop until after their front tire ran over my dog's head. Well, after the tire got over my dog's head, the dog took off through the neighborhood. Man, I was hot. I was so angry. I wanted to go. Man, I just wanted to smash that guy. But I didn't have time to do that. I would have only done it in Christian love, of course. And I didn't have time to do that. I had to go after my dog. I went after my dog. I finally caught up with my dog. I picked her up, and she bit me. Why did she bite me? She was hurting. That's why she bit me. Listen to me, folks. Sometimes... Another brother or sister will respond to you in a very negative way, and it's not because they're mad at you. It's not because they hate you. It's not because they're trying to hurt you. It's because they're hurting. And if you're going to love people, when do they need you to love them the most? When they're hurting or when everything's going well? They need you to love them when they're hurting. Yeah, some fellow church member may have hurt your feelings. Listen, get over it. Well, did the world do it? And of course, I'd ask the question, if the world did it, then why are you in the world? 
Bible says, love not the world, neither the things that are in the world. If any man love the world, the love of the Father is not in him. Oh, we don't understand, preacher. Everybody else has got so much and I have so little. In a sense, what you're saying, God isn't being fair. But God's not interested in fair. God has nothing to do with fair. God has to do with, with what's best for us. You know, there's a reason why you haven't won the Reader's Digest sweepstakes. The re- there's a reason why Publisher's Clearinghouse hasn't come by your door. I want you to understand something. Everybody doesn't need to be rich. As a matter of fact, a lot of people, when they get a whole lot of money, forget God. I've had people say to me, preacher, if I won that, I'll tell you what, if I won that, I'd give half of that to church. I think they tell me that, so I'll pray for them to get it. The thing is, I know that more than likely, they won't. How do you know that? People. People start thinking they're so, hey, you know, I'm so pretty spiritual about this. Give half, what if I want it? And I think this through. Because if I want it, and I got that, well, good night. Taxes would take up half of it, so I can't give half of it to the church. Well, I'll give half of what's, well, if I to give half, I got a tithe then too. Man, there won't be enough left for even me to get a brand new car. I, I think the Lord will understand that my heart was right. No, it wasn't. No, it wasn't. By the way, all that stuff normally does is just buy a whole bunch of problems for you. But Paul would write and say, Demas has forsaken me, having loved this present world. It'll keep you from the things of God. I'll tell you why some don't have enough money to get themselves one of those big driving campers and so on. They knew you'd be worthless to the church from then on. You'd be out camping every weekend instead of serving God. Why should God give you something to knock you out of church? And that's not God's will. I'll tell you what, you're scaring me today. But God told Jeremiah, be not afraid of their faces. See, you don't see what I see. I know. He said, that's for sure, preacher. We're not, we, you're not looking at anything near as ugly as what we're looking at. I get it. Number four, did the devil do it? Well, then resist him. The Bible says, submit yourself therefore unto God. Resist the devil and he'll flee from you. You're not, listen, I, you be the best Christian that anybody's ever seen. You're not going to get through this world without problems. Don't think that somebody, this isn't fair. I'm trying to serve God. I'm being faithful to God. And I've got this cough and I got bronchitis. And now I've got phlebitis and I've got all the isms to go along with it too. And this is just isn't fair. I'll tell you what, there are a whole lot of people with more problems than you've got. I can guarantee it. But as I said, it's not about fair. And we know that all things work together for good to them that love God. To them were the called according to his purpose. That should be enough for you. But let me ask you, who hath hindered you? Did you do it yourself? Did you do it to yourself? Did you overload yourself with worldly care? Were you indulging in carnal ease? By pride, become self-satisfied. You stop challenging yourself to grow in your walk with God. Then you neglect prayer and Bible reading. Maybe you just did it all to yourself. Or how about this one? Did false teachers do it? 
That was the problem at Corinth. I mean, at Galatia. At Galatia, false teachers came in and taught heresy. And as a result, they were starting to treat Paul, the man who won them to Christ, as an enemy because he simply told them the truth. You can go to all kinds of churches around here, all kinds of churches. That will never hurt your feelings. Matter of fact, they'll be as positive about everything as they can. A positive except about the sinfulness of sin. They'll tell you how good you are, how wonderful you are, how you deserve your best today. You can be your best person now. And all of that nonsense and unbiblical garbage. Or you can get into the word of God and find out the kind of Christian that God wants you to be. Has your spiritual life been hindered? Well, how do you get it back then? How in the world? Now, some responded well this week. God dealt with your heart. You came forward. Some came forward several nights. You came forward to get things right with the Lord. Well, that's the beginning. If we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Let me tell you something. God wants you right with him more than you want to be right with him. He longs for you to be right with him. Just like if there's a lost person here today. God wants you saved. But he won't save you against your will. Bible says, but as many as received him to them, gave him power to become the sons of God, even to them that believe on his name. But you've got to do the receiving. You've got to take him as your savior. You've got to believe on the Lord Jesus Christ for salvation. If you don't do that, you'll die and go to hell. He doesn't want you to go to hell. He's not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. But you've got to make a decision to receive him as your savior. Now, that's the first step for that, for the one who's saved. And you've gotten away from God on things. You need to get things right. Understand, think about a few truths here and then we'll be done. That your loss has already been great. If you're not right with God, I mean, if you've got things in your life that keep you from having that close relationship with the Lord, then you've already lost a lot. I didn't get saved until I was 22 years of age. I was a country western disc jockey in Otsego, Michigan, just north of Kalamazoo. And at the radio station in the fall of 1971, I bowed my head and I trusted Christ as my Savior there at the radio station. The biggest regret of my life has been that I didn't get saved sooner. I wish I'd known Christ as a teenager. I didn't. And you know those years could have been a time of reading the scripture, knowing the scripture, drawing close to him, loving him. And those years were just wasted. I didn't know him. I didn't know about him. I did nothing for him. I had nothing to do with him. Thank God when I came to Christ, he saved me. But that's wasted time. Those first 22 years. I mean, you're only going to live so long on this planet. So why not spend it living for Christ? By the way, the natural tendency, once you realize things are not right, is to slacken up even more. Here's what happens to us. Well, I've already failed the Lord. I'm sure he's getting tired of me failing him. There's no sense of me trying again because I may just backslide again. Now, wait a second. God is not just the God of the first chance or the second chance. But the third, the fourth, fifth, I dare say that most of us have used up more than our nine lives of chances 
that thank God if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. After all, any old dead fish can swim downstream. It doesn't take anything just to go with the flow. But to stand, to stand for God. By the way, there's the danger of being overtaken by error and sin. I've known a couple pastors that have gotten off into sin, and unfortunately, more error, doctrinal error, seems to fall along with that. Besides more sin, wisdom would be to cry for help, requesting prayer. If we confess our sins, I'm sorry, uh, James chapter 5 and verse 16, confess your faults one to another, pray one for another that you may be healed. The effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much. I still remember several years ago, I mentioned the preacher's fellowship, but did I do that in Sunday school or in this message? I don't remember, it doesn't matter. Um, but I remember we were getting near the end of the fellowship, several preachers had preached, and uh, Brother Tony Stark raised his hand in that meeting. He said, fellas, there are just some things that I've been in a real battle about, and I just need you guys to pray for me. Just pray for me. Now, you see, there's a lot more of Christian manhood in that than never saying anything and just staying proud about yourself. I still remember that. That really impressed me. Because I had news for you. You say that to a bunch of preachers. Many of them are gossips. Well, I just told you. So that, where does that put me? But don't let pride keep you from getting the help that you need. But get the help you need from people that can help you. And then there's the life of drawing nigh to God. The Bible says set your affections on things above and not on things of the earth. Now, you may be on a spiritual high right now. You may be walking close to God. Praise God. But understand those things I mentioned earlier. Uh, it's likely that those things can impact you to draw you away from that fire and zeal and serving God. Well, don't forget this. You can get back close to him again. For some of you, by, by the way, let me just say, if you're not where in your love for God, your zeal for God, if you're not where you're used to be, you're backslidden. So get right. You say, oh, I got some things right this week. What will people think? Don't worry about what they think. Get right. Worry about what God thinks. Get close to him. You did run well. Who did hinder you? And you are the person that can turn that around today. Let's pray. Father, we come to you in the name of the Lord Jesus. I thank you for the wonderful salvation that we have in Christ our Lord. But Lord, sometimes we get hindered. Sometimes we do it ourselves. Sometimes we allow what others say and do to hinder us. Sometimes, Lord, it's just neglect. And we wake up one day and realize we're not where we used to be. Heavenly Father, please, I pray, may our hearts be open today. May the Spirit of God do a work on our hearts. Get us right with you. In Jesus' name I ask it.